0: Welcome to day two hundred and seventy-six of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul here with uh, David Keith and Matt Kresge and Katie Kresge, as we continue to read through, uh, you know, the prophet Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel has been a, a fascinating, you know, bridge in the story of the Old Testament. While uh, Isaiah, you know, prophesies about, you know, the coming exile. Uh, Ezekiel is experiencing it, he is actually in the land with the people in Babylon where they've been brought into exile, you know, from the first deportation, you know, along with people like Daniel and his friends, Azariah, Hananiah, Mishael, you know, along with them, you know, as as well. And uh, he is prophesying to a people who are trying to put in perspective what has just happened as we come to chapter 18. Uh, they seem to think that God is unjust because uh, he is judging them for the sins of their parents. And God reminds them that he knows how to judge his people and how to, uh, how to honor righteousness and, and how to uh, judge wickedness. So we come to uh, Ezekiel chapter 18. As we always do before we read, uh, we, uh, we pause to prepare our hearts and minds to receive what God has for us in his word. Uh, you know, David has spoken about the beauty of God's word; that it's more precious to him than the finest of gold, and sweeter to him also than honey from the honeycomb. And he says, "I treasure it more than riches, and it's sweeter to me than the, you know the finest of desserts." And Father, our prayer to you is that you would create in us a love and a treasure for your word, and an appetite for the sweetness that it brings, even at times when. Uh, The word is is, is bitter to us by exposing idols in our heart. Uh, May your grace that comes through it uh, be our comfort and our consolation. You are rich and a holy God. We thank you for bringing us into relationship with you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Ezekiel 18. And the word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For everyone who belongs to me, the parent as well as the child, both alike belong to me. The one who sins is the one who will die. Suppose there is a righteous man who does what is just and right. He does not eat mountain shrines or look to idols of Israel. He does not defile his neighbor wife. If there are kids in the car, this is a little strong section. He does not defile his neighbor's life or have sexual relations with a woman during her period. He does not oppress anyone, but returns what he took and pledged for a loan. He does not commit a robbery, but he gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. He does not lend to them at interest or take a profit from them. He withholds his hand from doing wrong and judges fairly between two parties. He follows my decrees and faithfully keeps my laws. This man is righteous, he will surely live, declares the Lord. Suppose he has a violent son or shed blood or does uh, does not do any of these things. no the father has done none of them and he does all does these other things, sorry about that, Though the father has done none of them. He eats at the mountain shrines. He defiles his neighbor wife. He oppresses the poor and needy. He commits robbery. He does not return what he took in pledge. He looks to the idols. He does detestable things. He lends at interest and he takes profit. Will such a man live? He will not because he has done all these detestable things. He is to be put to death. His blood will be on his own head. But suppose his son, So this son has a son who sees all the sins his father commits and knows he sees them. He does not do such things. He does not eat at the mountain shrines or look to the idols of Israel. He does not defile his neighbor's wife. He does not oppress anyone or require a pledge for loan. He does not commit robbery, but gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. He withholds his hand from mistreating the poor and takes no interest or profit from them. He keeps my laws and follows my decree. He will not die for his father's sin. He will surely live. But his father will die for his own sins because he has practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was wrong among his people. Yet you ask, why does the son not share the guilt of his father? Since the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to keep all my decrees, he will surely live. The one who sins is the one who will die child will not share in the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share in the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. But if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live, they will not die. None of the offenses they have committed will be remembered against them. Because of the righteous things they have done, they will live." Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Sovereign Lord? Rather, I'm not pleased when they turn from their ways and live. But if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin and does the same detestable things a wicked person does will they live, none of the righteous things that person has done will be remembered. Because of his unfaithfulness, they are guilty of, and because of the sins they have committed, they will die. Yet you will say, the way of the Lord is not just. Hear you Israelites Is my way unjust? Is it not your ways that are unjust? If a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin, they will die for it. Because of the sin they have committed, they will die. But if a wicked person turns away from the wickedness they have committed and does what is just and right, they will save their life. Because they consider all their offensives they have committed and turn away from them, the person will surely live and will not die. Yet the Israelites say, the way of the Lord is not just. Are my ways unjust, people of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent, turn away from all your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed, and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. And we hear one of the most, you know, comforting refrains in Scripture, you know, twice. And, of course, it uh, will come into an even fuller expression, you know, later in chapter, you know, 33. That the Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but he'd rather see them repent and turn and in him, you know, find life. And, of course, when we read these, you know, uh Oracles of judgment, you know, sometimes are answered to that first question, you know, do I take delight in in the death of the wicked? We we might be tempted to say, well, it seems like it, Mm -hmm. but it does not. These are grievous things, you know, to our Lord. And and the answer to the second question is, you know, obviously, you know, will they not return and live? Of course they will, you know, if they turn to me. Yeah,
1: what uh, a... You, you almost feel for them because they're looking around and you know, they're in exile. And, and rather than looking inward and seeing, you know, why have we landed here? They, they, can, they just want to do what we do when we sin, you know, is we want to blame others and say we're not as terrible as our ancestors. You know, so they feel that. And, and so what do they do? They ask the question of the Lord, you know, this is unjust. This has been too long. You know, you, you, why have you acted this way? And the Lord turns to them and says, you, you know, if you were righteous, you you would live, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But, but just seeing, it's really the struggle. It's a, We're seeing the struggle between the people and, and their understanding of God, you know. And it's it, rather than doing how the section closes and repenting, turning from their ways and their offenses, re, you know, receiving that new heart. It's it's they're wrestling with the consequences of their sin, but they don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we find ourselves in, in this position more than we want to admit. No,
0: it, it, and, and a lot of times we really misunderstand what's going on in this passage. You know, we look at it where, you know, I'm not, I'm not responsible for anything going on around me. I'm just responsible for my own sin. In one sense, that is true. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, you know, what they're saying is, is, God, this is so unjust. It was our ancestors who did all of these horrible things. And here, we're the ones taken into exile and taken out of the land. And, and God is, in a sense, saying, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't work like that. You know, certainly I can judge a nation, but I can preserve those within the nation who are faithful to me. And uh, you know that's exactly what he's talking about. So it's really examine your heart, yeah, and and know that if you're experiencing the brunt, you know, of judgment, it may be because of your own sin and not because of the sin of those who come before you. Mm-hmm. And know that you know if at one time you were righteous but you turn away from me, mm-hmm. I you know I I will judge you for that. Mm-hmm. If at one time you were unrighteousness and you turn to me, I I will forgive you. And of course, that's a way you know God revealed Himself. You know. To Israel in Exodus is gracious, and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving in you know, the sins and transgressions, but also visiting the sins of the fathers, you know, to the fourth, up to the fourth generation on their, on their sons and daughters. And, and God's saying there's a way to break that pattern, mm-hmm. repentance, yeah. turning to me and walking mm-hmm. faithfully, you know, with me.
2: And so often we kind of just want like God just to bless us and make everything go well and then not put us in these difficult types of situations, but we don't want to repent and we don't want to acknowledge our sin. And yet that's the invitation he gives time and time again is, and that's his grace is no repent and, and live. And, and I love the way he describes the righteous man at the beginning, you know, like what his life is kind of known for. And it, it, almost appears like he's just following a bunch of rules and stuff, but you can tell there's there's something else going on inside this man that, mm-hmm. you know, he's yes, not concerned with the idols and the finally neighbor's wife, but this is also a guy who, man, he's, he's providing for, for the naked. He's giving food to the hungry and, and, and he's taking care of his fellow man. So he's in, in a real way kind of reflecting the heart of, of God, to those around them no
0: you you see that strong uh, strong message of social concern you know that marks of people who have been touched by god's grace that they are concerned you know for the poor the needy and the disenfranchised and that's a constant you know constant ring in the prophets that part of the reason you're in judgment is because you have neglected all these and you have to love the juxtaposition you know between he has not robbed but has taken care of the poor and of course those are two opposite ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. one is who would take from others and disadvantage others and use others to his advantage and the other would use his resources for the advantage mm-hmm. of, of, of the poor and of course that is the heart of god toward us in grace and that should be the heart that we have you know toward grace you know and others mm-hmm. and, and of course there's a nice move he does here a nice move <laughs> There's a lot of them, uh, <laughs> where he says, you know, what you need is a, is a new heart, mm-hmm. 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 and uh, you know, uh, where he says, you know, why uh, you need to get a new heart and a new spirit, mm-hmm. and of course, in both chapter eleven and again in chapter, you know, uh, thirty six, I uh, will see that these are gifts from God. It's not something we can do. You know, I'm going to go get me a new heart, or I'm just going to change my attitude and my spirit. Uh, finally, we need a work of God in the heart mm. and a gift of God in order to be the people that he has created us to be. So he's foreshadowing their need here, and he's going to fulfill it in verse yeah. in chapter 36 with his promise. Yeah. I will take out of you that old heart mm. and give you a new one.
1: Yeah, and how will he give us that new heart? It's because he is just, mm. not because he's unjust. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and, and a crazy turn on justice, not giving us what he deserved, um, mm. but placing that on Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and for your grace. Thank you for the gifts you've given us. May we never take them for granted. Thank you that you've placed your spirit in us. May we neither cringe nor grieve your Holy Spirit, but may we hear his voice and walk in a way that honors you. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.